And good morning. This is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, WUBJ Jamestown. Your NPR station, it's 10 o'clock and it is time for Buffalo What's Next. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, Jay Moran along with Margaret Niederprum with you this morning. Yes, hello. This is our membership drive, um, our spring membership drive. This is the fifth day today and we're talking directly to you to discuss the importance of becoming a member of WBFO here. Um, We discuss local topics, things that are important, and not many other stations are able to do something like this. And we're only able to keep programs like Buffalo What's Next on the air because of member support. So it's so important that you give us a call at 1-877-456-8870 or online at wbfo.org. And Margaret, I was, I was going to add as you were saying that because it occurs to me that not only does it keep it on the air, but it, this type of show, Buffalo What's Next, does not exist without the public media model, the public radio model. And that is where listeners support the programs that they listen to. And this one, for sure, I mean, nobody knew for sure that anybody was going to listen to it, but there was a sense that this needed to be done because of the community, uh, the aftermath of May 14th. And because of this, this show is on the air, and it has been a generally successful enterprise since then. And it's all because of public radio listeners. But that has to continue, obviously, at one 456 8870 or WBFO.org. Yes, with public radio, you're able to deep dive into important topics. It's not just a quick little piece of the news. You get to really go in-depth with information and talk directly to experts on topics. And that's something that we do here on Buffalo What's Next. It's it's an important topic that we discuss every single day during the week from 10 until 11. Um, and again, it's only made possible by member support. one 456 8870 Yes, we'll be getting to the show here in just a moment. We'll talk to you a little bit later on as well. But uh, another uh, show with a keen community interest uh, in store for you here as well. It's been here every day, hasn't it, Margaret? Uh, I guess we're close to 200 episodes since the the start of this, which is impressive, but it's all because of you. When I say you, you who is listening right now at your desk, in your car, wherever the case may be, become a member right now. Renew your membership, 1-877-456-8870. Yes, and thank you to everyone who has donated so far. You are the reason that we've been able to keep this program on the air. You are so important, and we appreciate you here at WBFO. And if you haven't yet, it is the perfect time to make that donation and show your support. So please give us a call, 1-877-456-8870 or online at WBFO.org. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing, we've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Hello and welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez and I'm here with my next guest, who is, many things, the principal of the moniker Infinite Possibilities. 
The thing that stood out to me is that she's known to to others as a connector. I love that so very much. I'm here with Miss Faustinia Morrow. How are you, Faustinia? I am excellent, Lorenzo, and thank you. <laughs> So much for having me. Of course. I am just excited to be here because this show is incredible. Well, I've been you. listening to different guests that you had. And wow, it's great to highlight Buffalo the way that you have. Well, you are a very integral part of Buffalo. Uh, we have you on today. I wish I would have had you on last week, but we have you today uh, right after your Super Bowl. Yes, Earth Day. <laughs> Earth Day. We are, we're, we're talking to Faustania because uh, with her her organization, the Monarch of Infinite Possibilities, you you made it your 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 goal, your your mo, raise awareness to a healthy, sustainable environment, and also bring in BIPOC uh, members of our community and faith based communities to address this needed effort. Yeah, like I said, it was your Super Bowl this weekend. Yes. Earth Day. It was this weekend, but I like to think Earth Day is every day, right? It is. It is. And even though I am exhausted because we tried to do everything, um, it has been an incredible weekend. Um, I had the great fortune of um, starting on Friday and working with, um, I call her evangelist, Ellen Harris Harvey, and she is the block club president of the Trinidad um, Neighborhood Association. And for years, she's been partnering with Sisters Hospital. So that Trinidad Neighborhood Association sits um, right over by Kensington and Humboldt area, right by Sisters Hospital. And um, she tapped the monarch because my focus is really um, global, but acting local, dealing with the arts and the environment and really engaging the community and particularly the BIPOC, black, brown, indigenous, people of color and the faith based community on getting involved in the environment. And what does that look like? So she asked me if I could reach out to a few folks and um, come out and help and do cleanups. And I'm we, telling you got a you, lot of people. How many? Got, oh, my gosh. So. Um, normally she does her cleanups on Saturdays, but this was a Friday morning. So, you know, people were Mm -hmm. at work or people were at school. And so I was like, I will definitely come and I'll ask a few people. Um, And then what she has done over the years is um, gotten the doctors and the nurses and the staff over at Sisters Hospital involved. So the president, um, I met him for the first time, Aaron Chang Mm -hmm. of the Sisters Hospital Network. He's actually from California. Wow, that's coaster. <laughs> I said, well, I'm so sorry, Callie, that you're here. What are you doing was, out here? What are you doing out here in Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, you know, he wants to do and be a part of the community. He was out with a rake and awesome. cleaning. And one thing that I'm really passionate about is making sure young people are involved. Mm-hmm. So um, reached out. There's this service fraternity at UB. Um, the young man who's the vice president, Matt, I said, I need you to bring some young people with you. And he said, I can at least bring two other people. They came with an army of five people. And then there's this superstar young man. Um, He is from um, the Bronx, New Mm. York. He's a UB student. Mm -hmm. He is a superstar. Uh, uh, And I always mess up his name, too, which is crazy because my name is Faustinia, right? (laughs) So if you can say Faustinia, then I should be able to say your name. (laughs) But um, we'll call him Brother T for now. (laughs) And Shout out he, Brother T. Brother T, right. It's like Tadanji, but I'm saying it wrong. I know it. Okay. Um, he'll get me for that. But anyway, uh, he is um, a UB junior, UB student. He um, is in environmental design. 
brilliant, I call him brilliant black boy joy. <laughs> and he recently took a job at Open Buffalo to engage the neighborhood and do some great work that's happening over at Open Buffalo. So he was like, yes, I'll show up. And so I was looking real good with Miss Ellen because we <laughs> uh, were there uh, first thing in the morning to clean up. Oh, and, and the one thing you need to know about Miss Ellen, and I take my hat off to her because she works in, um, she works for the city in mm-hmm. the citizen services. And, oh, my gosh, she was working tirelessly. I mean, we were walking up and down the different streets over in the neighborhood. This wasn't just, you know, being cute for the picture. (laughs) (laughs) We were cleaning up drains because there's been a lot of flooding. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to make sure that the neighbors in her um, area, you know, can have their area cleaned up and, you know, sustained in a way. And then, unfortunately, where her neighborhood sits, it's right where the I-98 and the 33 intersect. And um, people have used this one particular street that's way in the back as a dumping ground. Of course. And so we were literally picking up major trash, and it was really something. And so, but because it's Earth Day weekend, it was just so great to see... Um, the community come together and people. One thing I liked about the service fraternity of the young people from UB, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, we want you to come and help out. And he was like, we're only coming if you put us to work. And they worked for a few hours. So then they had um, former council member Charlie Fisher. Okay. Um, and I uh, love this man. Um, he's a community leader, Mr. Clifford Bell, who mm. is like in his 90s. And he um, is a part of that Black Club Association. And so it was just really good to yeah, Mr. Bell see the community. Picking up, picking up stuff well, as well? Well, now, oh. Mr. Bell, he, he was present. Moral support. <laughs> he was moral support. But he has been working for you. We stand on his shoulders. So mm. he, you know, he well, kind of opened the way. You have to bring... People of all walks of life, all, all ages. You do. Um, you I, do. I, I refer to this weekend as your Super Bowl. Yes. And, and to use another an- analogy that I mentioned before we, we were on the air, uh, I, I called you the, the, the uh, DJ Khaled of the environmentalist movement here in, in Buffalo. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I love that you, like I said, a connector. You bring together faith-based communities, BIPOC individuals, uh, executives, community leaders, to all in the idea of helping our immediate environment, also to the larger scale of, of our of our world. You've worked with Erie County Climate Action Plan. Can you explain that that partnership with yeah, EC so Climate Action? Yeah, so I um, am now into my uh, second term, so it's been almost four years that I've been a part of the Environmental Management Council. They call it the EMC um, through Erie County. And I'm an at-large member. And the EMC um, sort of is the umbrella to a lot of things that happen in the county around the environment. And um, through the EMC, I got connected to the um, Community uh, Climate Task Force. And this task force was charged with the community action plan that Mm -hmm. they've been doing about the climate, the Community Climate Action Plan. The goal um, of the task force And the community action plan is to really hear from the community. What kind of impact do you want to see in your very community? How can we work together, you know, to provide a sustainable living environment? What does that look like from a transportation standpoint, from a housing standpoint? 
And what I love that has been a focus in this work is they're looking at it through an equity lens and really trying to reach out to the community. So um, they tapped the Monarch um, a couple years ago to kind of look at how can we find community ambassadors. And what I, when we were talking about this, I casually said in my meetings, I said, well, it's going to be important to have voices and faces that look like the very community that they're from. Because mm -hmm. if you think you're going to walk in and tell people what to do, that's going to be the wrong approach. Mm -hmm. And it won't, you know, really permeate the community. Because there are people in the community, you may not know their names, but they're the very ones that you should talk to because they're the influencers in that community. And they don't have to be elected officials. And they don't have to be, you know, have a title. But I promise you, if you don't talk to mother so-and-so mm -hmm. and you don't engage so-and-such. Pastor Joe is not involved. Exactly. It doesn't, doesn't reach the community that, that needs to reach. Exactly. And so um, in saying that, they said, well, Fastinia, can you help us? And I said, certainly. And so I had the great fortune to put together about seven different videos of community ambassadors. And one thing I thought was super important is the youth. So we mm -hmm. started with a group of young people. I um, had this great fortune in, in 2019 to um, create a Shirley Chisholm tribute program with oh, someone I love so much, Mother Eva Doyle. She's a historian in our community. And she used to show these movies mm -hmm. about different you know, figures um, in our culture to highlight. So I had this brain town. I said, you know, Mother Doyle, um, do you have a video on Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm? She said, I sure do. <laughs> I said, what would it be like if we, you know, show the, the, the video on her, whatever video you, you have, and then we got together elected officials, especially women, because this was in March of 2019, so it was Women's Month, mm -hmm. got all the elected officials, uh, women elected officials, black women in particular, and had a panel. And she said, you know what? She said, go ahead and I will support you. And I said, great. So it dawned on me, how do we engage young people? And so I engaged um, these incredibly smart, amazing um, little young girls that were from age six to nine. Now they're like, I think, uh, a few years older. <laughs> Late teens. <laughs> yeah, yes. And they're, they're growing up so beautifully, but they played a role in this event that we had. And so that same group of young, I call them my Chisholm babies, <laughs> that same group of young people are now, fast forward, engaged and they were part of the video so if you go to the erie county um website on the, the climate action mm -hmm. page you'll see these seven videos um then we talked to a doctor doctor everybody calls him dr g rajo vasquez um we talked to luz who is this amazing community member on the west side and she's over push green we talked to one of my favorite pastors, Reverend Lewis, uh, and he's got a title like Dr. Reverend <laughs> James Lewis, and he's, he's an overseer. Yes, yes, yes. And he talked about, now look, we are stewards of the earth. And he you know, brought in scripture, and he talked about the importance of being you know, focused on climate change. Then we brought in um, young millennials through the um, Buffalo Urban League, and I had mm. the um, president and the vice president of the chapter at that time to talk about, you know, from a, a youth perspective, a young professional's perspective, um, what do they need to do? So we engage all of these different voices in the community 
And um, the goal with the Climate Action Plan is to really look at when they go into Elmwood Village or they go into Cold Springs, that's, you know, the area where the Tops Massacre happened, or they go into Hamlin Park, that's the area I grew up in as a child, um, who are the community leaders and the voices of influence that can then bring the community together and share with them, you know, and talk to them about what kind of impact and what do you want to see happen in your neighborhood? So it's an, an incredibly dynamic project. It's not a one and done. That's mm -hmm. something that I think is important because sometimes people have these people, I say people, you know, like the days of the world, <laughs> they have these great ideas and then they get people all excited about doing it. And then because the grant ran out, the, the project disappears. And that can be disheartening, especially if you're, if you're trying to build hope and you are excited about what you see, that can cause people in the community to say, uh, what is this really about, right. you know? And so I, one of the things I love about the Climate Action Plan is that they're really sincere, and it's a multi-year program, and the goal is really to get feedback from the community so that, in fact, we can truly move to or, towards having a sustainable, healthy community. Bringing together all these these different communities, collaborating with them, making the, the conversation we hear about the environment that much more relatable to a community that might have a number of other things that are ongoing. Reminding everyone, hey, there are things that you could do in your limited scope to help this planet. If everyone right. does, does as we always hear, uh, pitch mm -hmm. in, right. in your own way, uh, if everyone had that same uh, zeal and, and, and remi remember to do that, I think we'd be in a far better and, and that is so important what you said because that's one of the reasons why I um, wanted to create some of the things I've created and am working on through the Monarch and engage in the community. Because when I stepped into the environmental world back in 2003, um, I was working for the Citizens Environmental Coalition and they focused on toxins in the environment. Mm. So they focused and were connected to things that were happening at Love Canal. Mm -hmm. There was 13 groups that I was charged as a regional director to oversee. So there was a group in Chittawaga. There was this big, huge issue that was happening at 858 East Ferry, which was a brownfield site that needed to be cleaned up. And um, frankly, I didn't even know all of these issues existed in my hometown of Buffalo. And that's when I discovered Buffalo is like a Petri dish of all kinds of just crazy things that have been happening for years. And, um, but... The community, when you engage the community and get them involved, they will go the distance with you in order to make sure that things are better. And so, like, with the 858 East Ferry site, which for those who don't know, is right across the street from True Bethel, they were cleaning up that area. Or the, the community, first of all, had to push to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And then when I came on the scene, they were in the midst of, you know, making sure that if the cleanup is done and that there are people from the community that are involved, that it's done right. And so they had, like, the Toxic Waste Lupus Coalition. And there were great um, leaders like 
Judith Anderson, um, who has passed away now, but she was connected to UB and she would engage the community. And then one of my absolute favorites, he's now an ancestor, um, Brother Bird, Derek Bird, um, who he was, when I came home back to Buffalo, because I had been living away when I went away to college and so forth, um, he was like um, the census man because he <laughs> was like the regional director and he ran the census and he just um, was just a pillar in the community and connected to folks. So people like him were involved in this. And when I, you know, stepped into the position I was in, he said, Fascinia, whatever you need, I got you. I will help you. And he did. And it's people like him and Miss Judith and, and David Hahn Baker. I can't forget David. He's like the godfather of the environment. <laughs> and these were environmental justice people in Buffalo, um, many who have passed on. But they have been um, working tirelessly to make sure that we are aware. And so what I saw when I stepped into this world is there was a missing piece, and that was the church. And see, you know, I'm from Buffalo. I grew up in church, you know, good old Pentecostal girl. <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't see the church involved enough in the environmental world, and what can be done about that? And so um, it's been really exciting because um, the people in charge of this climate action plan um, are really keen and aware that in order to gauge, engage the community, they've got to step outside of the box and connect, you know, directly. Because we are interconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, this weekend, back to the Super Bowl of Earth Day, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Western New York Peace Center had a speaker come in, an Apache um, um, indigenous person. And he talked about the importance of how we are interconnected. And I'm going I'm to I'm get real deep on you right now. Please but do. But in reality, because I am a church girl and I grew up in church and I'm connected to my faith, I had to stand up and say, listen, we are spiritual beings having a natural experience. And what does that mean? Like, I don't know about you, but I often meet people, and this is why I call myself a connector, and I know that we're connected. It's just a matter of having a conversation. But I truly believe um, you and I and all of us are connected. We're brothers and sisters. Now, we might look different. We might have had different experiences. You know, some of us live in Alaska. Some of us live in Antarctica. Some of us in Africa. We're all over the place. But if we're spiritual beings, we're interconnected having putting on this flesh and having a natural experience and i think if we could think more like that then it could break down some of these barriers and it needs to be authentic mm -hmm. you know because sometimes here lately it seems like people just want something from you so they buddy up to you yeah. so they can get whatever they want and then they're off well that's not real you people know can see through people that. can see through that mm -hmm. but if we can really somehow tie into the fact that we are spiritual beings having this natural experience i think it would move us to take care of mother earth a little bit better we'll be back on buffalo what's next with faustenia morrow after this and welcome back to the uh, wbfo pledge studio jay moran along with uh, margaret niederprum with you this morning just a couple of minutes and we'll get back to uh, lorenzo rodriguez here in the uh the next segment of uh, buffalo what's next 
course, you've probably been listening elsewhere throughout the day, and you know that uh, the WBFO Spring Membership Drive is underway. one 8870 is the number. WBFO.org is another way that you can also become a member right now. Yes, we're so thankful to our members for w, of, of WBFO because you're the reason that we're able to put Buffalo What's Next on the air. After the tragedy on May 14th, we quickly reacted and we were able to provide an open forum for open and honest and candid conversations about what happened on May 14th. And they're so important. And we were only able to put this program on the air because of member support. And we've been able to to keep it on the air because of your support. So it's it's so appreciated here. And uh, your donation lets us know that you appreciate this kind of programming. And again, it's, it's so important to keep these conversations going in the Buffalo community. So if you feel this way and you haven't made a donation yet, today is a great day to make that jump because um, your dollars will go further today because of our sustainer challenge. So if you become a monthly uh, sustaining member, um, your an extra $100 will be added to your donation and you can help programs like Buffalo What's Next stay on the air. So please give us a call 1-877-456-8870 and you can also go to wbfo.org. I've heard uh, this more than once. Thank you for putting uh, Buffalo What's Next on the air. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And really the thanks doesn't go to me. Um, it goes really to you, the listener. People who want to listen to this type of programming, who demand this type of programming, community members who believe in uh, what a show like this can mean for the community. Because they were there before with their membership dollars, this show had a chance to emerge. It has now emerged. It's often almost completing its first full year. Again, because of you. But now we're turning to you again for more. Membership right now at one 456 8870 or online at WBFO.org. Yes, and as you know, that uh, WBFO is a public radio station, so uh, not many other radio stations are able to have uh, long-form shows like this, and even podcasts are not as uh, great as Buffalo What's Next. It, it, they don't do the same things that, that this show provides to our local community. Um, and again, that's only made possible by uh, member support because this is a public radio station. We do get funding from the government, but 50% of our funding comes from our listeners. So please make a donation today, 1-877-456-8870 or wbfo.org. Thank you very much for listening. Again, the number 1-877-456-8870. We are here with Faustenia Elmaro. She's the head of the Monarch of Infinite Possibilities, um, a consulting firm here in Buffalo that, that brings together people uh, of all walks of life to kind of focus in on, on the, the paramount issue of, of, of conservation, uh, a healthy, sustainable environment. Uh, I love, like I said earlier, the, the idea of, of the Monarch. Where did that come from? The, the Monarch butterfly, I assume, right? Yes. Thank you for saying that. I... Um, have always loved the butterfly, right? And once you learn the story about the butterfly, like, I'm a big girl. I know we're on radio, so you can't see this. But if you know me, you're like, oh, yeah, she's a big girl. <laughs> and so at this at one time, I was saying how I'm having a butterfly transformation, right? And, metamorphosis. Yes, a metamorphosis. Thank you. And the reality is that when a caterpillar 
is moving along their life cycle, right, to become this beautiful butterfly, there's something that happens in the crystallis process, right? And I had a vision. And what I saw about my company is that I am in the middle of the process of the metamorphosis process as you're just transforming into the butterfly. So if you can do it yourself, you don't need the monarch. You need the monarch when you can't exactly figure out how you're going to get to the next level. And then I come in somewhere in that metamorphosis process and help you burst forth and become the beautiful butterfly. That's sort of the mind frame. The other piece to that is that um, since I was a very little child, I am very into uh, royalty and I loved all the stories that you would hear, you know, about um, the royal court and so forth, the monarch, if you will. And um, so it just was fitting that it turns out that there's a monarch butterfly and the monarchy on, on the royal level. And so often I wear a crown and I'll say, I'm the queen of connecting. (laughs) And so that is where it comes from. So one thing I wanted to say to you is that um, I have been positioning the monarch of infinite possibilities um, to reach every level, federal, state, county, citywide. And then I dream of, you know, the global experience, right? And... Um, it's because I really believe in thinking global, but acting local. Mm. You did recently an, an event, uh, I believe this weekend at Temple Beth Zion. Yeah. How did, how, how did that? Oh, I am just, um, elated because, um, I was approached by Sarah Schultz from Temple Beth Zion. She's a member of the Sierra Club. And then, okay. um, there's also this, um, interfaith. Climate Justice Council and community um, that I've known about for years, and they are faith-based related, and they were saying, you know, we do an Earth Day event every year, but frankly, it's very, very white. (laughs) And they said, you know, we'd like to engage the monarch in order to bring diversity, to bring the BIPOC community. Can you help us? And I said, certainly, because you know, that was one thing I noticed um, when I stepped into the environmental world is that for the most part, unless you're talking about environmental justice issues specifically, it's all white people. And that doesn't make sense to me, especially in my community. Like, how can we get more people involved? And so um, I sat down with them. We put a plan together. And what I love about it is they followed the plan to the letter. And um, because of their efforts, on Saturday, the, sh- the program started at 2 o'clock, 2.30, there was over 300 people in wow. the room. Wow, that's a lot of helping 300 people, yes. That's fantastic. At 2 o'clock, people were standing, waiting to get in. We had every community represented. And they had already engaged um, the Iroquois Haudenosaunee to do um, some kind of opening. Mm-hmm. And so they were there. Um, they had Reverend Mark Blue, who is the president of the NAACP, very well known in the community because he's everywhere. I said, Reverend Blue, I don't know how you do it. Because, you know, even though I look 29, I'm on the other side of 50. No. I know. I know. It's my, my grandmother's, you know, <laughs> I have to give it to my mother and my father and my grandmother. 
And then they also had um, Reverend George Nicholas, who focuses on the health disparities in mm. the African-American community as a speaker. And Rabbi, Rabbi Gutman, who is the head of the Temple Beth Zion, he was there. And one thing I thought was important, because I'm always trying to incorporate the youth, I said to Sarah, I said, I know a young lady, a dynamo, one of my Chisholm babies, ah. um, who was the oldest girl. She was 16 when she did the video. Mm-hmm. She is a superstar. Her name is Zariah Shadwick. She is a senior at Leonardo da Vinci School. And um, she's also a climate ambassador from the videos. Love it. And this young lady, oh, my God. She is amazing. She's still taking the charge and, she, and, and she running with She emceed the program. Not only did she emcee the program, you know, when they had the vendor space going with all these people, all these moving parts, she was making announcements and getting people ready. And then she'd throw in her own little flavor. Incredible. That's why, I mean, I love engaging the youth. But in reality, I'm learning from them. Because, you know, like we talked about before the show started, you know, they're using social media, Mm -hmm. TikTok, all these things to communicate. And they're teaching us to take it to the next level. And so um, it was just a phenomenal program. There were presentations. Um, Push Buffalo talked about clean energy. Um, they had Say Yes Buffalo. They had Zawadi Books, um, Sharon Holly and her husband. And, and um, it was just exciting to see the diversity. What really touched my heart when I first got there is a young um, little African American sister, little queen, came up to me and she said she had the flyer in hand, <laughs> and the um, Sarah and her committee were very smart because they had the event on the front page and on the back of it it said, "Is there a green job in your future?" So mm. the young lady saw the flyer. She came up to me with the flyer in hand and she said, "I want to get a green job. Am I in the right place?" I'm getting emotional. Sweetheart, of course. (laughs) Yes. Yes, because green jobs are the, if you want to say it's the way of the future, but it's the now. Mm -hmm. I mean, if our young people can be engaged, not just young people, anyone Mm -hmm. that is looking for a good job, a good paying job, an opportunity that's going to set you up for success. I mean, can you imagine being on the cusp of that and helping people to do that? Oh, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. Because that's the first person that I met when I walked into the event is this young lady who I, I want to say she was she so she was a part of the Urban League's. Um, I don't even know as I'm telling trying to say it, you know, coherently, but she's there was a woman, Mrs. Harper from the Urban League, who brought her students and her goal um, she was telling me, she said, Sinia, I'm trying to make sure that all the young people that are looking for job opportunities, because when you got a little money in your pocket, you don't have time for foolishness, right? <laughs> but if you don't have a little money in your pocket and you're not resourced, right. you're on a survival track. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, I don't know why the young people are, do- because they need to be resourced. What are you doing to make sure that you're investing in our future? What does that look like? But um, I recognize that if you invest in young people and help them, boy, they're going to blow your mind. They have the energy. They have the energy. And so um, I made sure that there was a great diverse group of people involved. Speaking with Faustenia Elmaro, a, a connector. I love that title, connector, 
uh, a conductor of, 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 of people, of, of initiatives, consultant. Um, you brought up, and we can't do this without young people's involvement. Just young people, that, that energy that they bring uh, to the table. What do you think is the largest hurdle there to engage that age group, the, the young young folks of here and elsewhere? What is, what's the big deterrent uh, to getting them involved? Um, honestly, I think it comes from when adults don't step aside and give them opportunities. Um, and I say that because, um, so back to my MLK Day cleanup. So we're, this year was the third year that we've done it. Um, and it's really tied to the White House. Um, whenever there's an inauguration, they also have, they do an MLK Day. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was supposed to go to the inauguration, but then the January 6th situation happened. And my trip was canceled, and I was upset because mm. I was leaving out that Friday. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if I'm going to be home, let me look up and see what's going on for MLK Day. And there was no cleanup that was set up. This was, you know, that same time. So I said, you know what? If I can get 10 people to help do this cleanup, then we'll do it on Monday. And I said, we're going to do it on Michigan Avenue. Um, and so... I asked um, my little nephew, who at the time was nine, and I, he's, and I said, do you want to come with Auntie and help me? He was like, yes, can I <laughs> do that? And he was all excited, right? And what I saw is a joy that if you get out the way and let the young people help, then they will, you know, get involved. And frankly, because of him, I was just doing it because, you know, I wanted to make my contribution on MLK Day. But the next year... Um, we were riding, and we did the cleanup on Michigan Avenue right in the corridor. And, you know, there's the beautiful African-American Heritage Corridor archway. So we happened to be driving, and he said, Auntie, he said, are we going to do that cleanup again? I, I'm he like, still remember. He He's still, still looking forward to it. That's fantastic. I know, and I was like, um, uh, let, me, let me make a phone call. So because he had been engaged, he wanted to do it, and so... Every year, it's turning into something major. Um, this year, we had over 150 people oh, participate on MLK Day. And the second year that we did it, it we had to cancel it because of the weather, as you know, being in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we had a big storm on MLK Day, and we had to reschedule it. We didn't cancel it. We rescheduled it. The day that we rescheduled it for was a Saturday, because usually MLK Day is on a Monday, so it was a Saturday. And we had, on the coldest day, like 60 people show up to participate. And then, like That's I said, this year. phenomenal turnout despite the, the elements. Exactly. And then this year, it's just growing, growing, growing. So I really think that the key to getting young people involved and engaged is to step out the way and let them help. Recently, um, the Monarch, with my partners, got an EPA grant. It's like a $1.3 um, million dollar Grant and my partners are Drexel University and Mount Sinai Hospital, and they're talking about um, children's environmental health and looking at the social determinants of health and what is impacting the most, um, you know, disproportionately impacted young people, the disadvantaged community, and what do they feel about it? So mm -hmm. I've reached out in in beginning this process. I reached out to the Boys and Girls Club locally oh, to see about, like, if we want to engage young people, talk to young people about what do they think about climate change, what do they think are the stressors, like, what would that look like? And I'm excited because 
Um, there are different pockets of groups in Buffalo, Western New York, New York State, that, um, you know, they've been working with young people. They ask them different things, but how often do they focus on the environment? And there's such an opportunity there. So um, that's what I think it's going to take, is really step out the way, giving them space to share, and I think they're going to blow our minds. Well, Sania, another thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap in a little bit, but I wanted to speak to you about your, your commitment to the Harriet Tubman Legacy Project. You're the founder of it here in, in Western New York, correct? Yeah. Uh, you are going to be doing, uh, if, if I remember correctly, the Harriet Tubman uh, Byway, right? You're going to yeah, you're gonna thank take you that, for that journey. That's yeah, con- so <laughs> um, Mother Harriet, as I like to call her, tapped me on the shoulder <laughs> one day. And I thought I was creating something that had never existed before. Like, I'm going to trace her steps, you know, from Virginia all the way into Canada. And so I started to do a little research and discovered not only am I not the first person to think of this idea, (laughs) there's several groups of people that have done it. And one person in particular who's done it is a sister. Her name is Mitra Lundy out of New Jersey. And she, like, you know... Uh, really looked at, she wanted to do, come as close as she could to the actual um, steps that Harriet took. Because, you know, starting from Maryland and, you know, all the way through Delaware, Pennsylvania, um, through New, uh, New Jersey, um, uh, up to um, New York, through Albany, 695-mile journey. Wow. Right. And so, um, anyway, I said, you know, um, I don't know why I thought I could just, you know, walk 695 miles. And thank God I found out through my research that Mother Harriet, she probably walked about 200 miles. And then eventually she took a train when she was in New York. And at some somewhere along the way, she took a boat as well. But yeah, she was. And here's the thing. She wasn't on this, you know, leisure journey that I'm going to take. She was, you know, trying to escape to freedom with freedom seekers. And so um, I had this vision that I would, you know, in 2022, I set out... And I wasn't even sure how long it would take because, you know, <laughs> when I talked to Mitra, she was walking 33 miles a day. And, you know, I was telling you that I participated in a half marathon and how brutal that experience it's a, was. It's, it's grueling. A, it's, it's it's not a, easy. It's a lot. It's a lot. So uh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to walk 33. I shouldn't say no way, but I don't foresee no. walking 33 miles a day. Take that obstacle out of your mind. <laughs> You've got this. This is if. if if Harry could do it, you, you have to be able, anyone should be able to do this. You've done similar events here with the Legacy Project, correct? Yes, exactly. So in order to prepare for that, I knew that I got a train, right? And really back in 2015, I did my first 5K with the gospel run out of Chicago. At that time, I was the kind of woman that would count the steps if mm. I got to walk up the stairs. I'm like, that's 20 steps. I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I wish I was, but it's true. And so I went from that to using this app called Couch to 5K, okay. and I learned how to successfully you know, walk, run a, a 5K. And I did it. I ran it, actually, the very first time. After that, I was like, I'm, like, I'm done. I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> but because of the training, it became a part of my lifestyle. So whenever I walk, I walk a 5K, which is 3.1 miles. And I thought, wouldn't it be 
powerful in our community to get people walking and going. And certainly when the pandemic happened, you know, uh, we couldn't go anywhere except for to the park and to walk and so forth. And so, um, and, you know, through the training of it all, we created a Harriet Tubman 5K with the intent to walk down Michigan Avenue. And the dream is that the vision is that it would start at the archway in the corridor and one day it won't be a 5K, but it'll be a marathon that would start there, go up to the Freedom Wall, walk over to Broderwood Park and somehow cross over into Canada. Mm. And that would be like, you know, 26 miles. <laughs> That's the dream. And here's the truth. Um, something that I didn't realize and it connects back to the environment. So when I stepped into the environmental world, I found out that um, in Kingsley Park over near the tops, um, there had been some dumping of soil. And the community members thought, oh, here's this soil, not knowing it's contaminated. And they were putting it into their gardens and stuff and using it. Mm. And part of the reason that they were doing these things is because there wasn't a grocery store in the area at the time. Interestingly enough, with the push of the community, they ended up having the Topps grocery store that was placed there. And we all know, you know, what has happened with 514 as we're coming up on the Mm -hmm. anniversary of it. So it's hard to separate health, the environment, and all these social determinants of health. You can't separate them. They're all together. That's why it's important to kind of look at the holistic view of how to really impact the community. And that's sort of, you know, how I, in the abstract, think about the Harriet Tubman Legacy Project, that ultimately, yes, I'm going to walk, take a train, (laughs) maybe a boat, (laughs) and trace her steps. But more importantly, I hope that I send a message to the world that, look, we can do things in small bites to impact our health, to impact our health and wealth, so that we can be around and what does that look like if we do things that are more sustainable not to mention i think it's important you know buffalo is my home and i think it's important that we do things that bring the world to buffalo bring attention in a good way because often when i lived away from buffalo if i say i was from buffalo they'd be oh <laughs> that's where the snow is yeah. you know blizzard of 77 now we got this <laughs> blizzard that just happened <laughs> And yet, people don't realize that Buffalo was the last stop on the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. If you got to Buffalo from Virginia, oh, you could look across and see freedom. And it's amazing to me, all of the historical figures that have made such an impact in Buffalo. Mary B. Talbert. I know Madam C.J. Walker is an entrepreneur, and I you know, dream. I actually went to her house before and took a tour. And I dream of, whew, you know, having a life like Mary, Madam C.J. Walker. <laughs> but then I can't forget that right in my own backyard is the amazing Mary B. Talbert. And because of her and the work that she was doing and her husband and different ones, I mean, she was global. But how often do we know about that? We don't. And so I'm excited at the Monarch to be able to uplift and bring awareness. And so my focus is the environment and the art. We got a few more minutes here with Faustenia, Ms. Faustenia El Moro. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, what are the what are the big environmental 
issues that we should all be aware of out here in, in our backyard of Buffalo and Buffalo, Western New York? What are the, as far as raising awareness to, to causes and, and, and things that we need to address, what would those be? Wow. Well, you know, I would really start with the basics and, you know, air quality and understanding about that. Because when I stepped into the environmental world, um, one of the big issues they were fighting was dealing with uh, the Tonawanda Coke plant mm-hmm. and, you know, the quality of the air. And see, you know, where we sit by, you know, the mighty Niagara Falls, um, I think sometimes we forget certain things. Because I remember not only air, but what's in the water. I remember Mm -hmm. um, back in 2006, I hosted a pastoral environmental conference, right? So I, like, had a focus group with pastors, black pastors on the east side. And I said, you know, how can I get you guys to come to a conference about the environment? They said, add health to it Mm. because, um, you know, their eyes would glaze over a little bit when I'm talking about all the environmental issues. But health, they completely were embracing. That resonates more with each individual. And people forget that. that, I mean, that's why we're we're fighting this this cause of, of, of... of conservation and, and clean up and just a better environment. It, it, it affects our health. It affects our health. We forget and about that so quickly. How many people have asthma? Mm-hmm. You know, because the pastors would say to me, look, we got members in our church that have all kinds of issues. And one thing I realized with the pandemic happening, I mean, it, it was, it, it exacerbated and like focused like a, a microscope on all the health disparities that are out there. And, you know, environmentalists know, they've been talking about it for years, like, this is happening because of X, Y, and Z. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to really make things bad for gonna get worse. the generations. It's mm-hmm. only going to get worse. And so um, examining, you know, what's in the water, and then in Buffalo in particular, we have the oldest housing stock. And there's a huge problem with lead. Lead pipes, yeah. Lead pipes. And so mm-hmm. thank God for the infrastructure bill that was passed through the Biden administration because, you know, all, people keep talking about all this money that's coming, you know. And I can't forget to mention um, the importance of clean energy. Um, I'm going to be working with black pastors to really look at how can we um, green the church? How can we help you know, the neighborhood to be more green and to be more sustainable. And so, unfortunately, with Buffalo, it could go on and on because there's so many issues. But I'm just hoping that people will um, begin to get involved in the conversations that are happening and speak up about what they see and things that they have questions about to just speak up about it. Because this is the time is now. Like, I constantly am hearing in, in my different environmental circles how different people have been working for years. The Sierra Club has been working for years mm-hmm. on different issues to, to, you know, really help the environment. But nobody was fully paying attention. Now everybody's paying attention. Right. And unfortunately, with what happened with the massacre at Tops, the world is watching Buffalo. And so, you know, from the monarch's perspective, we just want to be in the flow and be there to help share information both ways um, to the community and then for the community to talk to the leaders. And we also just want to make sure um, that we do whatever we can to connect people so that they, their voices can be heard and amplified. And ultimately, we can really live in an impacted world that the community is leading the charge. Well, Senia, I'm I'm glad that we connected today. That that you connected, hopefully, with 
I feel like you did with our audience. Um, if they want to continue connecting with you, if they want, if anything uh, that, that, we, that we can promote uh, that you're currently uh, working on or we should put out there on everyone's radar, uh, where can they, they reach you? What should they be on the lookout for? Any events on the, on the horizon? Thank you for asking. So if you want to, um, I offer what I call discovery sessions, 30-minute discovery sessions. And you can go to www.monarchofip.com. So that's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-O-F-I-P.com, www.monarchofip.com. Did I say that enough times? Did you guys get it? If you're writing it down, one MIP. more time. If look up search MIP. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can put in the monarch of infinite possibilities and I'll pop up. Yeah. And any other events similar to yeah, that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, through the EPA grant that we were awarded, I'm going to be out in the really New York State. So Western New York, downstate as well, hosting and talking to different groups, youth, practitioners, community folks about, you know, environmental health, children's environmental health. Um, in addition to that, I'm going to be working with clean energy and helping to host engagement meetings because my focus is on engaging the community. People hire the Monarch to help reach the BIPOC and the faith-based community. And a project that I'm super, super excited about is building a network of black pastors in particular, but I would say BIPOC pastors across the nation, that mm. my dream is this, that because I see the importance of the church in the pulpit, the power of the pulpit, I dream of a world that when anything is happening around the environment and the arts, we have this network global network of pastors that you hit the button, if you will, and they're activated. Mobilized. And they're mobilized and their members are involved. Because what I know about the church is that people are very concerned about how they can make an impact and help. Most people in the church, ever since I was a, a baby on the pew, they want to get in and help you however they can. That's why I think it was a great strategy in the middle of the pandemic for churches to become the epicenter, if you will. If you noticed, you could go to the churches in mm -hmm. different communities and they would pass out food. They would provide information. They were the source. And that's where they would go. And growing up as a church girl, what my mom always said is the church is your lifeline. Don't cut off your lifeline. So literally... I grew up in a church on the west. Our church was planted on the west side, um, 151, 161 Richmond Avenue, the Greater Emmanuel Temple Church. And my pastor was, he, God rest his soul, was Bishop um, Dees was his name. And he actually was an implant from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he really invested in us as young people and in the church and really, you know, cautioned me when I went to go away for college. He said, I don't care where you go. He said, but you always stay connected to your church. And so that's ingrained in me. But I do think there's something there when you look at how do you reach the BIPOC community um, in a greater mass level. And I think it is by building the network with the faith-based community. So that is kind of the dream. That's what I'm working towards. And um, any way that I can help raise awareness about things, as you can see, I must have mentioned, what, mm -hmm. about 15 different businesses and people because I really believe that we are interconnected. 
And it's just a matter of making a connection. And you know what? When I connect to you and you connect to the next person, it's like we are building, you know, this It's a ripple life. effect. Yeah. It's a ripple effect that hopefully reaches. Because there's enough for all of us to, to really thrive. I mean, when you think about, so the event that happened, the event that happened on Saturday, the Earth Day event that happened, we had over 300 people in that first 30 minutes. There was several events that were happening. I went to Rheinstein Woods earlier that morning mm. because we gave away an award, um, and there were several people there. And then, you know, there was an events happening at Buff State. And so we had... We're not in competition. I don't see people as my competition. I think about how can we connect and how can we work together? Because there is so much work to be done. And I just thank God that I have an opportunity to do my part. Well, I personally thank you for the work that you're doing to to, to be the shepherd, to be the, the, the unifier, the, the connector. Once again, we go back to that, that important role. Uh, in this community and bringing people together to to do what we need to do to help our our, our, our mother earth and one thing i didn't mention because it's like the most newest thing for me um i'm humbly humbled that i recently was chosen to be a part of the yale climate change and health class i am a part of Yale University, <laughs> which know. is exciting, right? Because I didn't realize this, but it's like the number one school for climate change. I think change. I've heard of them. You think you heard, heard of them? Of them maybe, before, maybe. And um, we had our, our first um, live session. Um, and I wasn't sure, like, I knew it would be people from all over the world that are a part of this class. But me, most of them were like MDs. <laughs> and then me. <laughs> and then the monarch was there. But it was powerful because um, they are helping to shape the conversation about um, impacting the climate, impacting our health, and how do we, you know, build this message. And so um, I'm excited for the work to come. And please contact the monarch if you need help developing and building your audience and if you want to connect to the BIPOC and faith-based community around the environment and the arts. The Monarch's your girl. The Monarch, Faustenia, Morrow, thank you so much for joining us here on Buffalo What's Next. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for making the time for us. Absolutely and thank you. It was a pleasure to be here and I'm just excited about the work and the message. So. Well, thank you for sharing like that Like said, we're going to keep moving. You're listening to WBFO News from Buffalo, Toronto Public Media, WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. And good morning. I'm Jay Moran, along with Margaret Niederbroom with you uh, for just a couple of minutes here before we move on to a 1A. Thanks very much for listening today to Buffalo What's Next. Yes, we're able to keep programs like Buffalo What's Next on the air because of member support. So that's why Jay and I are taking a moment to talk to you about making a donation to support programs like these. Um, the wonderful thing about Buffalo What's Next is it's people getting together not only to discuss the, the problems in our community, but uh, the solutions to make things better. So it's such a great program and we sit down for a full hour and we can really delve into these top 
dive into these topics. Um, so it's very important um, things that we discuss here. And we can only keep this program on the air because of member support. So if you could give us a call at one 456 8870 or go online to WBFO and make a donation, um, you're showing your support for programs like these today. I think our program director, Tom Barrett, was telling me the other day that as many as eight people on a typical day have something to do with this program, whether it's early on producing, booking guests, to actually airing it, to putting it in the podcast, making sure it's put online and all of that. There's a lot that goes into this. And back last you know May, nobody expected to be doing this. And somehow uh, the company was able to find and stretch some people out and make sure that they could help out and make this a reality for sure. But that was that money that was here because of public radio listeners like you. More obviously is always needed to keep this a strong program. One eight seven seven four five six eighty eight seventy. Yes, and WBFO. This is a public radio station, so the way that we're able to keep programs on the air is from member support. Fifty percent of our funding comes from member support. So thank you to everyone who is a member. Your donation makes such an impact here, and it really helps keep programs like this on the air. It keeps our community together. So please make a donation today if you haven't. And if you have, thank you so much. It's truly appreciated here. Um, again, that phone number is one 456 8870 or WBFO.org. And thank you for saying thank you, Margaret, because that really is the most important element of all this. It's all because of you that this exists. Buffalo, what's next? We're moving on to 1A, but you can call right now, one 456 8870 or go online to WBFO.org. And again, thank you.